Welcome to the Side Action Podcast, the sports gambling show that covers everything in the world of sports betting from A through Z. We'll cover the four major sports as well as anything and everything in between worth some action and we'll increase the size of your bankroll. And here we go. All right, welcome to the Side Action, episode 92, episode 23 of season three. This is Jim Weglars, a.k.a. Weggs. You can follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. And this is Steve Roberts, a.k.a. Action. You can follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. Follow the podcast at Side Action Pod on Twitter and on YouTube. As you can see, Action, I'm reporting with a stocking cap. No, I am not a, uh, what do they call him, hipster. I am just freezing. It's freezing in Chicago. It's freezing in my apartment. It's been snowing for 14 days straight, and it probably feels like minus five outside. So The only thing go. that's missing is the wind blowing with snow yeah. in the background reporting live. From I, I could Ridge. turn and you could look at the snow outside because it has been snowing all day, but it's calmed down a little bit. It's just flurries now. That's good so. to hear. Well, now we know what to expect on this side of the lake. Exactly. So has it been, you've been getting hit a lot in Michigan too, or no? Yeah. Um, most of the snow came the week before last, but we did get a little bit more on Tuesday this week. So it's piling up just like it is, I'm sure, in Chicago. Yeah. Well, it'll be here till whenever winter decides to stop. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, a firm believer in climate change, uh, unlike our former president. So I think everything's just shifting. I think now it's like, Winter is going to be till end of April or something, or maybe mid-May. But um, anywho, we don't want to hear about the weather. That's enough of that stuff. Let's get to the positive stuff. Let's talk about the big game, the Super Bowl. Um, interesting action. We uh, we were on the wrong side. Let's start start there. Mm-hmm. Um, if America followed my teaser, and they were allowed to do it, more on that later, um, then you would have been good because obviously the Bucks destroyed Kansas City. Uh, it was, I guess, a little closer than the score indicated, but, you know, one thing that I took away from the game, and, and we can talk about this in a minute, Kansas City just didn't look prepared, and I don't understand that. You had two weeks. You knew it was going to happen. You didn't have the tackles. They never threw, I don't, to my knowledge, they never threw one screen pass to the back in the entire game. They really only threw, like, one quick out the first play of the game. They really weren't trying to move quickly. They kind of were running their normal deep passing game and that wasn't going to work and then on top of it you know the bucks offense sure they benefited from a lot of penalties in the first yeah. half but they cashed in they cashed in though i mean they didn't just dog it and kick field goals like the chiefs i mean the chiefs were in they were in the red zone what i think it's four times they only scored three field goals or something so you got to score and, and tom brady man seventh seventh super bowl he's throwing He's throwing the trophy between boats on parades. He's mm-hmm. staggering. You see those pictures of him staggering from the parade yesterday. Um, so he's living his best life. And, I mean, it, it was it was an interesting game. Huh? What was your take? Yeah, I was uh, obviously disappointed with the Chiefs' loss and the Chiefs' game plan mm-hmm. as well. And really, even outside of that, I was disappointed in the interest level of the game. I had a hard time really staying engaged. It was kind of boring when I looked back right. on it. Right. So that it was, was it was a boring game. I was just wondering, you know, some of the factors like I mean, obviously, the Casey had that, you know, COVID stuff we talked about last week. Maybe that was a distraction where there was 20 possible players that were on that list. But only three really hit or something. And then, of course, we didn't even talk about this last week. because It was I think it was after we aired, you know, Andy Reid's kid, who's a coach. No nepotism there. 
uh, you know, hits that that family, the two kids, one kid's in critical condition. I mean, that's a horrible situation. You know, that's got to be distracting. Yeah. But to me, wouldn't wasn't the game plan installed before that day? It just it was just a weird feel. It just didn't seem like KC was there. They they weren't focused like they should have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you mentioned it. I think it was pretty clear that they did not have a game plan for what the Bucks expected were expected to do on D. And I mean, I think I read that Mahomes was pressured on like almost 40 dropbacks yeah. or, or maybe even a higher number. And they were just uh, did not want to give extra protection to the line. They only had five in pass protection on a majority of right. those passing plays. And so they right. just had no plan for the pressure that we all knew was going to be coming. Well, and it's interesting. A couple things, you know, for the most part, they didn't blitz a lot. They had some interesting blitzes, but they just dropped back into zones for the most part, which is exactly what I said that they should do, and they did it. Congratulations, Bucks. Bowles did change his game plan. But, like, make an adjustment, man. I mean, I, I, one thing I didn't understand, and we haven't seen Patrick Mahomes play a bad game until this game, he was running backwards and yeah. turning around. What are you doing? I mean, yeah. I understand that you're trying to make plays. It looked a lot, I guess, like his Texas Tech days when he was trying to do hero ball, but – and, and, and to his credit, he had three plays that were incredible that probably could have been touchdowns that weren't, yeah. that were drops, despite all that craziness. But he ran for five, he, I think it was 495 yards or something. I've heard the stat. He is the real gen, or the next gen stats where he was, it was over, it was like 400, 500 yards that he was rushing around the backwards. stadium. <laughs> yeah, backwards. And I'm just like, dude, stop doing that. Like, why aren't they just, Shoot, run that and then set up the screen. I mean, like, get the ball to your fast guys and let them run. It was just, it was a really weird game. And and I think that, you know, obviously the Bucks, you know, they scored. They didn't score. They did score a touchdown in the first quarter, though. Action. Yeah. So Brady's barely. Touchdown, barely. But I don't know. It was a weird game, like you said. It was second half. Once they didn't score on that opening drive, they got the field goal. I was like, eh, it's over. I mean, even obviously, you know. Fournette scored the touchdown, and then it was definitely over. But but I was kind of like, eh, you're not going to score touchdowns. You're not going to come back to this one. So, mm-hmm. but um, anyway, a couple of things I wanted to report besides, before we get into the kind of the the bets that happened was that uh, we were communicating. So I put in a couple of um, props, lost them all. Uh, sorry guys, but um, I was first trying to put on my teaser with Rivers, Bet Rivers, and. And, you know, you have these options for teasers. You have to put parlay, and then you click. There's supposed to be a teaser button. Apparently, and I, I said this early in the year, but I didn't think it would happen for the Super Bowl, Bet Rivers does not allow you to do an internal teaser with a total and a spread in any game, which I thought was ridiculous. You know, I mean, we've done that on Bet Online for the last couple of years. And, mm-hmm. and to me, when you only have one big game, what am I going to do with an NBA game or something? I mean, it makes no sense. And I chatted with a guy at Rivers, and I'm like, what's up? He's like, well, the so-and-so administrator can choose not to honor certain bets and also limit the number of bets. And I'm just like, I'm betting like 10 bucks or 20 bucks on this thing. It's ridiculous. Um, before I let you comment on that, the other thing was on Sunday, about an hour before the game or two hours before the game, our buddy Suter Rainmaker, he was out of state. He had me put in a bunch of props for him, sent me some money. I was putting in props. And the whole system got blown up. I couldn't put in after like six props. It kept on telling me I couldn't combine bets and there's error messages and whatever. I ended up getting in all but one of his bets, but I had to go back in almost about 20 minutes before game time. 
So obviously there was a taxing of the system as we kind of talked about the biggest handle in any game history. Yeah, I think that I read reports that there were other books that also had issues with um, accessibility from its clients. I think DraftKings, actually, I think there was a, quite a few that are run with the same can be operational, you know, the back end stuff. So it may right. have been a larger global issue that affected multiple books, but certainly bad timing for Super Bowl Sunday, a couple hours before game time. Yeah. Well, to keep that in mind, we're going to be out in Vegas, obviously, for the final for NCAA tournament. But hopefully we'll be able to use the William Hill app or mm -hmm. use BetMGM or something out there, don't you? So yeah. we'll have to figure it out in advance because, you know, those lines at the windows are pretty long. Yeah, <laughs> especially when we're at the pool. We're not going to be running inside to place bets. <laughs> exactly. Hopefully the Internet's working. Um, well, just kind of an overview recap. Uh, now, Action did pretty well in his props from what I can see, but just to kind of recap what we have here, it probably went off a little bit lower, but Tampa Bay, of course, paid out at the money line, at least plus 140. Um, obviously, the spread bet came in, uh, Tampa plus three, and then the under did come in, as we talked about, it's 31 to nine, so it was way under the total here. Obviously, Kansas City didn't find the end zone. I wanted to know, and I didn't look it up. Oh, you did? Okay. So it was what was the so the prop for t for Kansas City not scoring a TD? What was that? I think it was I heard this week plus nine hundred. I okay. may have that confused with Mahomes not to throw a touchdown pass, but um, either way, I mean, no touchdown for Kansas City still paid out a nice juicy chunk of change. Exactly. I wonder how many people put that one in. Uh, and then, but some of these things uh, were interesting too. You know, the, for the player props, I mean, Brady didn't throw a pick. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, that's plus 150. And then it was under on the touchdown passes that we kind of just talked about. The first touchdown went to we didn't talk about the game itself. Gronk had two touchdowns. He was the leading receiver for Tampa. Wow. Two touchdowns. He had 67 yards receiving or something. Who would have thought that? I mean, that's another I mean, that's what I kind of said that in my write up of the game on Wegspool that somebody I thought it'd be Scotty, Scotty Miller, but somebody else had to step up and it was Gronk. You know, it, it was funny because we talked about Brait last week getting injured we thought maybe he'd have a big game well he was injured Gronk stepped up man and and I heard something funny that I didn't know about did you realize that Travis Kelsey and Gronk are the same age mm, I believe it yeah yeah because Kelsey came out a little bit later from college right right yeah yeah they're both like 31 so it's like wow like I mean you feel like Gronk's all used up and done he's 31 he's not yeah. that old you know a um, couple of other things, your, your, your anytime touchdown cash with Fournette, plus 125, congratulations. Yeah, yeah, I was happy to get that one. I was really kind of sour that Mike Evans didn't get one of those first two touchdowns. They both went to Gronk, as you mentioned. Right. Th those are usually going to Evans. So. Of course, Antonio Brown had one too. Yeah. Um, so then some of the ones that you hit, you hit on a bunch of these. You didn't hit the Hardman over, but you hit Godman, Godwin under, uh, Kelsey over, Fournette over the three and a half receptions with the four. Hill with uh, six and a half receptions over. He had seven. <laughs> you had uh, Daryl Williams under 45 and a half yards rushing. That was pretty easy. Although, you know, that was something else that I heard in the in the kind of the rehash was, you know, the kid ran well. Edwards Hilaire yeah. was running for like seven, eight yards or a crack. They just didn't run the ball enough, you know. And, and But anyway, you also I've, got the total sacks, Kansas City, Tampa over at three and a half. That hit at four, barely, you know, but you got it. Mm -hmm. And then all of my guys, I didn't actually bet the player Paul, but I did Chris Jones, did not get a sack. Devin White did not get a sack. 
it was actually Shaq Barrett who was good, and and Dominican Sue had one and a half sacks in the game. So yeah, I think the game state probably did not help the sack props there. I mean, especially right. on the Tampa Bay side, they were just. I mean, they were gaining chunk yards between Fournette mm-hmm. and Ronald Jones ran really well too. Did. Didn't Brady did. didn't really have to do a ton. So yeah, 201 yards passing, reasonable game. He just was efficient. Um, so I don't know some of the other stuff. The scoring play, uh, Kansas City obviously got the field goal, so that paid out of plus 430. There was no two point conversion. That's a heavy nine minus 305. No missed extra points, which we said was correlated. It was close though. Offensive line, defensive line score. That oh, yeah. kid dropped the ball. He got it stripped. That'd have been plus eight hundred. That didn't pay out at minus two thousand. But that was uh, just a fingertip away, basically. Yeah, that would have been epic. And I'm sure. I mean, you saw it all over gambling Twitter afterwards, of exactly. uh, how everyone who bet that was sweating it hard. No, no doubt. And the last one was just the, um, you know, the 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 three three times unanswered scoring did not hit. At plus 170, which is pretty atypical, especially in the score, you think it would have. But I checked it out. It's like, okay, one score, two score, one score, two score. So it didn't hit. I didn't even check out the liquor, liquid on the coach. I was not even – I was done with the game by then. <laughs> yeah, ditto. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, it kind of closes out a, an exciting football year. Unfortunately, the Super Bowl didn't, you know, deliver in terms of a game. But, I mean, looking ahead, uh, just a quick – conversation i mean a lot of people it's so funny about sports talk radio and stuff i listen to it on monday and and everybody's like oh brady's gonna be back to win the super bowl next year i'm like come on dude like they barely won this year i mean they obviously did great in the super bowl but we know that they probably should have lost to the saints right they maybe should have lost to green bay they certainly figured out the formula but what do you think about that credence for them to come back next year and win again Oh, it's going to be hard. I mean, this team is a ton of veterans, and I don't know all of their contract situations, but I have full expectation that it's going to be a little bit different in terms of the players that are on, especially the defensive side of the ball. So, right. uh, And, I mean, the NFC, there's some good teams in the NFC. Sure. I think Green Bay is going to be back and ready next mm-hmm. season. And uh, the Saints, it's going to be super interesting to see what shakes out at that quarterback position. And, right. I mean, the NFC West, I have every expectation that San Francisco is going to be back and awesome next year, too. So, um, yeah, it'll be good. Any have you looked at any futures for next season? Anything that you're eyeballing as of now? I haven't. Uh, I would like a couple teams that I'm on the watch for. I definitely think Washington is going to bounce up and they did win the division. I'd probably put money on them winning the division again. I love that team. Don't know who's going to be the quarterback yet. Mm-hmm. I'd probably maybe get it now before some quarterback that is a noteworthy is there. I, I think that um, you're right. I think the NFC West is just loaded. They're loaded. Yeah. So I would, I don't know if there's ways to go against certain teams like Tampa. Um, but, you know, I think that's going to be an interesting shakeup. The AFC, it really depends on like, I really like that Colts team, your Colts team. But I don't know who's going to be the quarterback. Yep. So, you know, in that division and then obviously Kansas city, you might be able to get a good, good price. Like some people are all down on them. Oh, this is the you know this is how you beat them. They had two offensive linemen out. I mean, yeah, you know they're going to be back, or at least they're going to be. I I can't see them not making the AFC Championship game again. But the AFC is going to be better. Obviously, the Bills will be there, and I like what Miami did this year. I think the team to watch next year. We've said this again, America, on every podcast we've ever said. Your Los Angeles Chargers. I love them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, they, we know they're talented, man. 
It's just that they couldn't close games, and they finished what they I think they finished what six and ten or maybe seven and nine. Look, that team's going to make the playoffs next year. I guarantee it. I just don't know what they're going to do anymore. I don't know. Anthony Lynn's still the coach, so it's hard to no, say he's that. Not. He's nope. out. He's oh, out. Oh, they fired him? Okay. Oh, yeah, he's out. All right. They got, the, they got Staley. Oh, that's right. Got that's the, right. The from the Rams. Yeah. That's right. That's what Thank I'm you. saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I bet on the Colts already, kind of a homer pick, but I think mm. that they're going to find a good solution at quarterback, and if that happens again, I think they're going to be right there in the thick of it with that offensive right. line. Right. Um, you know, last thing is that, you know, and I've done this in the past. I, you know, I, I went away from the index, buddy. I, I, the index told me about Tampa. But, you know, obviously I, I was on Kansas City all along. But it really did well in the playoffs this year, action. It was, I mean, it, it the last, I think it picked every single game of the last, well, maybe not the Saints. The Saints would be the one upset um, in the last, like, three weeks. But, Ah, stick to the numbers. Stick to the numbers, America. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could have been a different outcome uh, had the, the officiate. I, you know, I still have beef with the officiating. Oh. I know it's easy to say now, but it was just a completely different game in the second half, too. They called, what, like 10 penalties in the first half and like two mm-hmm. in the second. So it completely just kind of sent it into that tailspin, and Kansas City was unable to come back from it. Well, didn't, didn't Kansas City get penalized like 80 yards in the second quarter? Oh, I mean, sure. it was just... It was, I think that you're right. There were a couple of key plays that the officials played in. There were really three that I can think of. Of course, the guy was offsides for the for the field goal, so you have to call that. But I would like to see if there was – I heard that there was another play early in the game where Tampa was clearly offsides and they didn't call it, so it was, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But those two pass interference calls that set up the touchdown that really was kind of the nail – it was kind of – it was a lot like the Green Bay game – it just yeah. put them in a different mindset. I mean, I don't think Reed probably should have called the timeouts. You're 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 down 14-6. You know, they're just running the ball. They're running the clock out. Just let the run. You've had a terrible half. Just go to the next one. Instead, he gave them life, and then they went for it. I thought that one to Evans on the side was definitely a bullshit call, personally. Yeah. The guys just got tangled up. And he, I don't even know if it was catchable. And then the one to Gronk, was it Gronk or Evans again? It was I Evans, I guess. Yeah, but the one in the end zone, there's no way Evans is coming down with that ball. The ball's like 12 feet in the air. There's no way he's going to catch that ball. It's uncatchable. Don't don't put him at the one-yard line. That's a guaranteed touchdown. So I thought that those three plays just changed the complexion of the game. If it's a field goal and then, of course, they, you know, obviously don't get down there. and they, it's you know, So now you're talking about what? I guess that would be 10 to – yeah, it would be 10 to 6 at right. halftime. That's a totally different ballgame. You just a reset. Instead, you're down 21 to six and whatever. So turn the page. I sound That's bitter. Right. I sound bitter with his hat on. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be back next year, no doubt about it. Absolutely. Well, let's move over to uh, NCAA hoops here. Um, so we've got the action index, which. I see a I see a riser that I really enjoy at number three on your list. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the changes in your act index this week? Yeah, well, uh, Gonzaga Baylor one and two shoulders above the crowd as per usual, but the real action is down lower, where if the Big Ten teams are battling it out 
We mentioned yeah. last week that Michigan's on hiatus and haven't played in 10 days or so now. But mm. Illinois has won some pretty good games the last couple week or so, and they've jumped yep. them into third. Nice. And um, Houston is another team right behind those two at number five, which I have my eye on. They don't play quite the same competition as some of these others, but right. they are a really good ball club and play very serious defense. Now, uh, Houston played somebody on Saturday. What was it? Our Lady of the, the Lake yeah. or something? Uh-huh. <laughs> was that a fill-in game or was that a planned game? I, it had to be something that was rescheduled. I honestly didn't pay too much attention to it. I did see that Circa posted a number, though, and Houston was laying 43 points against Our Lady of the Lake, and they covered. They won by, like, 60 or 70. So. I know. They scored 100 points or something. But, you know, when I look at your list, and, and we can't see this on the screen, everybody, but I'll tell you that, you know, Action loves the rebounding advantages, and that's kind of one of his differences with Ken Palm. The two best teams on this are Houston and Illinois. Now, we know Kofi Coburn is probably a big part of that, mm-hmm. but – I mean, there's a significant advantage there. I mean, 2.2 for Illinois and 2.6, and just for the rest of people, you know, Gonzaga is so good, and so is Baylor. They're at 1.6 and each, 1.65, 1.61. So, I mean, that's a significant advantage. And you look at teams like Iowa, 0.32, and, and Alabama, 0.29. I mean, so if you go go there, you better be ready to, to hit the boards. Yeah, and uh, Houston is no slouch on offense this season. Typically, mm-hmm. you would see them very poor on offense, but they're 17th ranked in adjusted yeah, efficiency yeah. this year. So it's a different team than we normally see come out of that conference. Yeah, exactly. I am waiting. I don't know if this is going to happen. I'm waiting for Loyola Chicago to get up get up on your index in the top 10 because they they're at 15 in Ken Palm right now. Now, yeah. they're going to play Drake twice this week, so they do have to win some games. They're both at Drake. We can talk about that in a minute. Yep. But this team's... They're seventh on D, man. I, I don't know if that does translate. Or not. Is there a, a schedule, strength of schedule measure on Ken Palm, or is it just I, purely how they play? I do not believe that Ken takes in strength of schedule to his accounting. Okay. It's straight numbers. Yeah, so, I mean, you got to factor that in. But, I mean, we've seen them do it in the past. I know I don't want to get too excited about it, but as you recall, we were at the – when we took our trip to San Diego a few years back, and that was when Sister Jean was sw- sweeping America, you know, by storm – uh, you know, we saw them win twice on that weekend, and they all went all the way to the Final Four. This is a team that, you know, they're really good. So, mm-hmm. well, last week um, we we went uh, three and three and three, as you put <laughs> as a joke. Um, we got three right, we got three wrong, and then there were three cancellations or postponements. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So your, your Cleveland State came in, Illinois came in, and USC, we're talking about that, and you don't like the Pac-12, Pac but they did come in. And then Florida failed us. Oh, no, the Florida was canceled twice, yeah. and then the Baylor-Oklahoma game didn't happen. And then Alabama, they did it again, man. They were down huge in this game, and they came roaring back, but they still lost and didn't, didn't cover Missouri. I did salvage a little bit in that one, live betting Alabama. Not a good plus number, so ended up taking a split there but man they just don't show up on saturday afternoons do they well one of the things that i heard on vsin last week uh was it was it was i guess it was on the weekend apparently home teams in general across the the board are winning at a crazy clip now we talked about the big 10 that the road teams are winning but straight up home teams are winning at a massive clip 
And I think it was something like 70% of the time. Now, they didn't state if that what, what it was against the spread. Okay. But this is one of the things that I, and I obviously we picked, I picked this game, you know, a road game at Missouri, and you, Kansas didn't hit road game, Iowa road game. I know that's usually Big Ten, but most of these, I'm going to be looking at that more action unless they're clearly better, the better team. A lot of these home teams, and you'll see in my picks this week, a lot more home teams. Okay, right on. So. I think there's something to it. I mean, uh, you know, we have talked about the Big Ten quite a bit, but the that conference affords quite a bit more amenities in terms of travel and just their general location. The travel isn't quite as impactful, so I think right. it plays a bigger factor for some of the smaller schools in, like, the Pac-12 where the travel distances are greater. Yeah, that could could be it. I was thinking about that because it's not the crowds. It's just mm-hmm. the travel and, and disruption and maybe these weird scheduling spots, which we've seen. Yeah. Okay, well, let's go into our, you know, games that we like this week and some predictions from Ken Palm for point spread. So I knew you'd find Friday Night Action. I, I just put it on the outline, America. I just put it out there as like a teaser for him. And there was not a good game in my mind, but he found one. Hit us with this one. This is exciting. Yeah, yeah a few more Big Ten games on Friday night, but we don't like any of those, or at least I don't. No. going to pass on them. And I'm picking out a, a favorite in my heart. I don't know if you've heard of this college, Bellarmine. It uh, it previously <laughs> was Division Two. In fact, I think they played in the NAIA. Oh. Growing up as a youth going to Taylor basketball camps, you always saw Bellarmine hanging up in the rafters, and they nice. were a powerhouse in that league. Okay. okay. And this season, they have elevated their status to Division One. Nice. This is the first season they're playing in Division One, and they're playing in the Atlantic Sun Conference. So. You might think that Bellarmine would step up in class and probably level off a little bit, lose some games, but that sure. hasn't been the case this season. Mm-hmm. Bellarmine is near the top of the A-Sun with mm-hmm. an 11-5 record, and they're That's 10-4 awesome. against the spread. So this team is a bunch of sharpshooters from the Kentucky mm-hmm. area, I would gather, sure. and they play like it on offense. They are very high in terms of offensive field goal percentage, and I think that they're uh, a good bet to cover tomorrow night against North Alabama, minus six. Look at this guy. I love it. I love it. See, I've got. I'm trying to look at my A son. Okay, so they're so they're duking it out with Liberty in that division, mm-hmm. right? In that in that yeah. conference. So, I would love to see them go to the dance. That's a great story. I'm sure that you know everybody wants to see some little guy. Be- Bellarmine. That's how you say it. Bellarmine. Yeah. Bellarmine. Nice. It could be Bellarmine. Nice. I'm not sure actually. Well. All you know is they're, you're, you're projecting them as a minus six favorite at home against North Alabama, and you're saying we're going to keep that hot streak of 10-4 and four against the spread alive and uh, take them out. That's right. Well, let's go to some other games. Saturday has a boatload of them that, that I like. I'm sure you like some of these. Uh, I already mentioned it. Lola Chicago's going to Drake. They're going twice because that's how they're doing their schedule this year, uh, and they're going to be at Drake. I love the Ramblers this year. They're they're in the top 25 of the AP, but they're also, as I said, way up at 15th for Ken Palm. I just think that they're gonna they're gonna take it to this Drake team. That Drake did get a loss, okay? Mm-hmm. They finally got beat. But um, what do you think? I know they've been good against the spread. Yeah, stellar against the spread. 19 and one straight up. They lost their first mm-hmm. game last week to Valpo, but yep. 15 and three against the number. And I got to be honest, I've watched Loyola play a couple of times this year. I lost a very infuriating bet against uh, Evansville, I think it was, or Indiana State. But 
I, I'm looking at the other side in this one. I had yeah. kind of had this spot circled. Um, Drake has their opportunity to prove themselves against the conference's elite in Loyola. And I, I hear you. I think the numbers are definitely incredible for Loyola this season, top 10 on both offense and I think defensive efficiency. Mm-hmm. But uh, Drake is up there too. They play a good brand of defense in their own right. Um, they're 31st against defensive field goal percentage of opponents. Mm-hmm. And I think that they're going to have an edge at the three-point line in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drake really shoots it. And I know that Loyola defends it really well. But I expect getting back home in Iowa this week, they'll be able to get hot. And I'm going to be back at Drake. So do you think, you know, obviously you want them in that game. Do you think I should just wait and have this, the back-to-back game and go to the zigzag theory and say, hey, let me do the second game because like, oh, we'll come out and play better or beat them or maybe get a better number in the second game? Yeah, I mean, you could uh, take that route, but that's banking on the fact that Drake wins Saturday. True. And I mean, if if Loyola ends up winning and you missed an opportunity, then it may have you backing off the second game, thinking that Drake might come back on Sunday. Sure. So I certainly wouldn't uh, try to talk you out of that if you think Loyola is the play. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough to say, though, going into Sunday. I mean, both of these teams, uh, well, I think Loyola was coming off of a victory last week, but they did not cover, if I remember, in the last outing. Right. Right, let me take a look. I've got this tracked here. Uh, let's find my one here. They play, you know, like you said, Evansville. Yeah, they didn't cover. You think they didn't cover at Evansville? They they won the game, right? They actually yeah. didn't cover both games against Evansville. Okay, that's right. Yeah, so they, they won both, but I think they didn't cover both. So, and obviously Drake coming off the loss, so I think both teams will have motivation here. Certainly added motivation given that this is a, for the conference lead. It really is. I'm not sure if both teams will make the dance. I mean, both teams probably should make the dance, but one of these situations where certainly Loyola's been up there. I think Drake's been in the top 25, too, mm-hmm. and maybe it'll get some shine because the ACC's down this year, but these conferences, you don't have a lot of wiggle room, and Definitely. you know they may only take one. So especially one team can't lose both games, that's for sure. They might be able to split, but um, you know who knows? The next one looks like uh, this looks like an action favorite here. Indiana, uh, they're going to be at home against Ohio State. You're showing them as a six-point favorite at home. This is on Saturday at noon. Sorry, Loyola game was at 11. Um, you like you like your Hoosiers. Yeah, yeah, they're actually um, projected as six-point underdogs at home I by say, Ken Palm. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. And uh, you know, Indiana has been playing a little bit better lately. They did drop a couple of games in the last couple of weeks that they should have had. Illinois at home mm-hmm. comes to mind, and uh, but they did come back and take out Iowa for the second time this season this week at home, and then pulled out a really miraculous win last night against Northwestern. And mm-hmm. I think that they're going to have a little bit of motivation in this game. They really need another top-notch victory. And the way Ohio State has been playing lately, this would be it. And I think the big difference in backing Indiana is their propensity to cover as underdogs. They're 5-2 and two against the number this season in the underdog role. Mm-hmm. And I think that they'll be able to keep it close on home at home against Ohio State this Saturday. This Ohio State team is, they're rising the charts too, mm-hmm. uh, like Illinois and some of these other teams, and they've covered two straight. So I don't, I haven't seen them play. I mean, what is their strength? Because I, I don't, 
haven't seen Indiana play a lot too. I've seen Illinois play. I've seen Iowa play and Michigan early in the season. So what are their what are their strengths? Are they are they an inside team or a shooting team? Yeah, they both. Um, they have a great point guard. C.J. Walker is a transfer out of Ohio mm-hmm. State, or I'm sorry, Florida State, and mm-hmm. uh, he kind of runs the show when he's in the lineup. And beyond that, they have a lot of power inside with E.J. Liddell is their main scorer. And then they have another shooting wing, Dwayne Washington, who's a three-point shooter. So, I mean, they're good on an inside and outside. Kyle Young, who's yeah. a, a senior, has been there forever, it seems like, is another bruiser inside the paint. But I think that Indiana's defense has been playing a lot better the last couple of weeks, and I think that they're going to be able to lock up on some of these shooters for the Buckeyes. And Trace Jackson Davis is has the skills to match up with Liddell on the inside. So... I like okay. Hoosiers. I know you do. I know I know your dad does too. Uh, the next game is uh, West Virginia uh, hosting Oklahoma. This is also a noon start on Saturday. Huge game for both the or huge week for both these teams. I've noted that West Virginia is going to be playing Baylor, although Baylor has some COVID issues, so we'll see if that actually happens. Uh, Oklahoma is supposed to host Texas on Tuesday, so it's certainly there's no look ahead spots, especially in this conference, but. I like the way West Virginia has been scoring the ball. They're playing really well, um, and I think that they've they've done really well at home. Uh, they're they're three and one right now at home, uh, you know, in the Big 12 this year, and their only loss was against Texas by two. So I like West Virginia in this game. Three points is probably a good number, but Oklahoma is certainly a, a good basketball team, and they're a team to be reckoned well with in March. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they Oklahoma has beaten me a few times this season in mm-hmm. that same underdog role. They seemingly in my mind are always covering numbers as as decent sized dogs they are. but um, initially i had written this up thinking that oklahoma was on a pause for some reason i think maybe they had the midweek game canceled with baylor is that right yeah they they did okay. that's right mm-hmm. yeah they did play last saturday so um but on the other side i think that west virginia is really rounding into form as well back-to-back covers against kansas and texas tech much to my chagrin against Texas Tech this week. Again. And, uh, I'm telling you, you can't go against hogs, man. Yeah, I know. You tell me. And I, I agree. I think that West Virginia is going to be the play here, minus three. All right. Next one, uh, you've got one that's that's not a top 25 matchup. A year ago or two years ago it would have been. Auburn is going to Kentucky. Uh, Auburn's a three-point dog on the road. Kentucky has struggled in the conference. You're showing them, well, they're 5-13 and 13 overall, but they're 6-12. and 12 against the spread and I haven't really seen a lot of Auburn because they're not as good as they've been in years past with Bruce Pearl's teams but you you like this uh, Sharif Cooper yeah true freshman Cooper didn't play for the first couple of months of the season Mm -hmm. and ever since he's been into the lineup this Auburn team has been a different animal they had covered six in a row before dropping the last three against the spread Mm -hmm. But mm-hmm. the main difference there when you look back at these numbers is they were consistently underdogs for several games in a row. And sure. they started racking off some wins, and then the odds makers took notice, and they lost the last three as decent favorites. Sure. So when I saw this number pop up from Ken Palm, I was a little bit surprised to see him labeled on Auburn as such a large underdog here at three points. And right. I don't think Kentucky should be favored against anyone in the SEC right now. And yeah. if, if Auburn's catching any points, three, two, or one, I'm going to be betting on them. 
Yeah, Kentucky can't get a win. I mean, they had a nice game the other night. They they were in the mix, and then they just kind of blew the end of the game. And I was listening to, I don't know if you listen to Full Ride, which is like ESPNU's show for college basketball. or It's college sports in general. Mm-hmm. And I like those guys. They were talking at length about how just Kentucky, because of the lack of preparation and these young teams, you know, maybe that's Duke's problem too, Yeah, they just can't handle certain critical situations and they lose close games. So if this game's close, I definitely would side to Auburn for sure. Here's another big one in the Big East this time. Uh, this is going to be on Saturday at 4 p.m. Central. Creighton is going to Nova. Uh, this is, or no, I'm sorry, Creighton's hosting Nova, but you're showing them as a dog at home. You know, Villanova is obviously a top five team. They've been there for a long time, but Creighton's a really good basketball team, and I like this team more than others, other Creighton teams, I should say, because Creighton usually doesn't play a lot of D, but they're yeah. in the top 40, 37th in defensive efficiency, which is really good. You know they're going to score at 16th. Villanova's they're good. They're really good, but they're like 57th on D. It's not quite the same Jay Wright teams as you've seen in the past. So I know it's a it's a short number, but you know, or it's only one point. But I still would take some points with Creighton at home. Yeah, I mean, Creighton has had a really up and down season. Early mm-hmm. on, they were whipping up on opponents and covering tons of games. And then I think the point guard Zagorowski got hurt for a couple of weeks and was in and okay. out of the lineup which really impacted their performance. So as far as I know, he's back and certainly has been for the last week or two. And I would expect that he's going to round into form a little bit more. So you got to figure that Creighton will pick up their pace of play with their true point guard back in the lineup. Um, To me, I'm probably going to be passing on this one. I know Villanova is one of my darlings. I've got a Mm -hmm. futures ticket on them. And uh, I don't really have a good read on Creighton right now, so I'm likely going to be passing. Cool. Well, back to the Big Ten on Sunday. Uh, this is Sunday at noon Central. Wisconsin's playing Michigan. Michigan's finally back in action, right? They they haven't played in I don't know how long. It's been forever. Now, for me, I like Wisconsin, but it's probably more of a I think Michigan's going to come out a little bit rusty. Of course, they've had tons of time to figure themselves out. But the Badgers at home, it's only one point uh, dog at home, but I see you disagree. No, no, I, I'm with you. I I was eyeing this spot too, knowing that Michigan's coming off the hiatus here. I don't, mm. I'm not sure, but I don't think that they've been able, allowed to practice even mm, the last okay. couple of weeks. So I mean, maybe like personally, like you know, shoot garbage into the trash can in the dorm room or something. <laughs> but, the Nerf hoop. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I've seen this throughout college basketball this season. Teams that are coming off the hiatus start out incredibly so slow, especially in the first half. So mm-hmm. I personally was lining up a play on Wisconsin in the first half in this game okay. and likely would be interested in the full game number as well. Ken Palm's showing them as a one-point underdog at home, and I'll be incredibly interested to see how that opens. I, I think it's probably going to be either that range, possibly even a one-point favorite. but. Right. Either way, I'm with you. I think Wisconsin is the play. All right. Go Badgers. Uh, last game I identified was uh, Virginia, who's going to be hosting Florida State. This is the battle of the top teams in the ACC. This is a Monday night, you know, big Monday game, 6 p.m. Central, although it seems like that would be a rescheduled game from Florida State had their COVID hiatus. I like the Wahoos to make a statement in this game. I, I, I do like Florida State in general, 
but not just the layoff with Florida State, but I think this team we've talked about before, the, uh, you know, Virginia's really good on both sides of the ball, and I think that they can score and stretch that defense for Florida State, and I do like them in this game. Yeah, I uh, I backed Virginia the other night against Georgia Tech, and they did not look good in the first half. I think they were down by six at halftime, mm-hmm. and they went to that locker room and really seemed like they flipped a switch and came out and cruised in the second half and ended up covering the four-and-a-half-point spread. But that was their first cover in four game, four or five mm-hmm. games. Right. And uh, on the flip side, Florida State, you know, they were on a tear before they went on their COVID hiatus. They were. Before losing to Georgia Tech on January 30 themselves. But, uh, again, another team coming off of a hiatus. I think that you can only look to one side, and that's Virginia. So. Yeah, and getting, getting points at home. I, I'm mm-hmm. sure this number probably won't be that way. <laughs> so we'll see what it comes out on a, you know, close to Monday. I'm showing this one at Florida State. Oh, is it? Oh, yeah. my bad. Yeah. My bad. Oh, yeah, you know what? You're right. I didn't write that down right. Okay. So that, that is right. Oh, wow, I'm taking I'm taking a road team. Look out. Look out, action. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, regardless, I think that, again, you have another team that's coming off of a COVID hiatus. And yeah. especially for Florida State and Virginia being their opponent, it's probably going to be even more important given the level that they play defense. So, right. gotcha. Well, that wraps up our games. I mean, this is—it's a shorter episode, which is great. They're going to be shorter going forward. Just changing a format. We're basically going to be talking about just college basketball going forward. I don't know if we're going to get Cole on. I'd love to have him back on if he's able yeah. to jump on at some point before our trip. Um, but as you know, I keep plugging the trip. We we, we lost a man, picked up a man this week uh, for a trip <laughs> to, to Vegas. So we're excited and um, and join us out there. But even if not. This is the time to really start focusing on college basketball, some you know great competition, and you know I know I've been I haven't gone all in on bracketology yet, but I'll be doing that too. I like to like to pick my brackets against you know Joey brackets uh, of ESPN myself, and um, I don't know, it's just the right time of year to to jump in. Yeah, another piece of news this week: the Big Ten announced that they're going to be moving the tournament from Chicago to Indianapolis. Interesting. And given that it's a week before the NCAA tournament, which is also going to be 100% in Indiana. I myself am thinking that gives an even more of an added advantage to the Big Ten teams once Mm. the NCAA tournament comes around. They're going to be in their hotels, settled in for the better part of a month now. And given the proximity to Indiana and all these teams normally playing at Purdue and Indiana, I think that you're going to see a lot of Big Ten teams making runs this season. So I am going to be shopping for futures. Nice. I will say, I mean, I don't know what Joey Brackets has it and Joe Lenardi has it, but, I mean, I've got eight eight Big Ten teams making the dance, and that's not including Indiana. So, you know, we've got – you're going to have a good chance of getting some of those teams through. I mean, they're an incredible conference. I just wonder how it's all going to shake out if, you know – we may be too heavily on Big Ten teams, but to your point, we can talk about that a little more as we get closer to the tournament. Sure. Uh, excellent. Well, that kind of wraps up our episode. Sci action. Uh, you know, like us, like us on, like us on your, you know, whatever way you're listening to us. I'm not sure how you're listening to us, everybody. You got to tell us. But um, <laughs> check out us out on YouTube. You know, follow us. Send us some comments, especially now when we're a little bit slower. Football kind of is so engaging. College basketball is a little lighter. We may have a little more 
chance to answer questions or if you any, have anything like that, let us know. Um, Action's really good about explaining all these terms. And I know I, I did talk to some people who listened to the Super Bowl episode and they were like, I don't know what this is. And I'm like, dang it. I'm like, refer back to episode one, you know. But uh, <laughs> we went through a lot of terminology in our first early episodes in season one. We try to reference them as we can, but we know that we're kind of a little bit ahead of the normal person who's just trying to bet. But we're trying to make it user friendly for everybody is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, definitely. Please, if you have questions, don't hesitate to reach out via the Gmail or Twitter or YouTube channel. That's right. Well, that's what we're here for. So, all right. Well, follow the podcast at Side Action Pod on Twitter and YouTube. Follow me at Wegspool on Twitter and Instagram. And follow me on Twitter at 31SRoberts. All right. Thanks, everybody. That's a wrap for this episode of the Side Action Podcast. We appreciate all of your listens, and thank you for joining us. We'll see you all again next week on Thursday for some more hot picks and side action. podcast its owners and associates take no responsibility for the opinions or statements made by the show hosts or their guests statements or show topics are not necessarily the beliefs of this podcast and opinions between talk show hosts may conflict individuals following the advice given on the podcast accept their own risk of losses from wagers made as the side action podcast its owners hosts associates or guests will not guarantee any advice given the opinions and advice given on the side action podcast is for entertainment purposes only Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Intro and outro and transition music credits. Song titles, Jerry 5 and District 4 by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.org. License under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0. CreativeCommons.org backslash licenses backslash by 3.0.